This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 54 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am bringing back a conversation I had several years ago, actually before I even launched this podcast. This conversation is with one of my former colleagues, Joanne Briggs, who was a special ed teacher for over 30 years, and I worked with her the entire time I was in the school systems, and we had a great collaborative relationship. And so the reason that I wanted to share this interview on the podcast is because of a couple of reasons. Number one, I do have a lot of speech pathologists and teachers who are in my audience, and I am a huge proponent of professional collaboration. I think when it comes to things like language and executive functioning, it is a team approach. I do share a lot of tips for therapists and things that they can do specifically in their therapy sessions. And I also share some tips for parents that they can do at home. But really, the ideal situation is that everybody is going to be working together because there's a lot of overlap in the skills that everyone can be working on, even though everybody has their own unique roles. And so part of understanding how that process works for you is knowing how to work as a team. 
So this can be extremely useful for you if you are in the school systems, whether you're a speech pathologist, whether you're a teacher, this can give you an idea of how that collaborative process can work when it comes to building language and vocabulary. And then if you're a parent, this can also be helpful because I know that sometimes even me, you know, I'm somebody who worked in the school systems, sometimes it's kind of like you're wondering, what the heck are they doing with my kids all day? How does this work? And so if you're a parent and you want to have a little bit more of an idea of how the professionals that are working with your kids can work together and what they're doing at school, this can be useful for you as well. So in this interview, Joanne and I talk about some of the examples of how teachers and speech pathologists can work together to build kids' language. Skills. So if you are a parent, a therapist, or a teacher, you will find it extremely valuable. Joanne, as I said, has a ton of experience in the field, and she was always kind of that, that person who, no matter what was going on, she always had a positive attitude. And so really somebody that I saw as a role model when I was in the school systems. Before we get going, I wanted to remind you of a resource that can be really helpful in helping you to understand some of the key skills that are important to build when it comes to language processing, and that is my ultimate guide to sentence structure. So in this conversation with Joanne, we talk a lot about vocabulary, but one of the key skills that's really important to build when you're thinking about vocabulary is syntax. And how it works a lot of times in many of these situations with SLPs that I mentor is that the SLP really ends up focusing a lot on building syntax. But as I've said before, when you're thinking about collaboration, it's important for everybody to know what's going on. So this resource, while it's designed for SLPs and gives them some tangible resources that they can use in their therapy, can also be beneficial to parents or teachers as well. So if you want to learn some of the key sentence types that can have an impact on ability to process language, then check out my ultimate guide to sentence structure. To check out that guide, all you need to do is go to drkarenspeech.com backslash sentence structure. Again, that's drkarenspeech.com backslash sentence structure. So now please enjoy this interview with my friend and colleague, Joanne Briggs. Um, so we're here. I am interviewing my colleague, Joanne Briggs. And Joanne, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, I graduated from ISU many years ago and taught at the um, public schools for almost 40 years as a mostly a resource teacher, also a self-contained teacher. Um, did a lot of co-teaching while I was there. I was happy to be always in the same district. Um, I had different administrators, the last one being wonderful, so I appreciated that part. Um, sometimes that's a lot of a good reason for staying in a position or not. Um, but yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of things from when I started. So what made you decide to be a special ed teacher? Um, we had a little a little girl that was down the um, street from us that I used to babysit for who had some special needs. And when I went to the university to start, I was in 
back then that was called the TMH EMH program, mm -hmm. which was educable and trainable mentally handicapped kids. And as I went to school, I found LD. And so I decided to do that. And I also did kids that had behavior disorders. That was my major. Um, I had a different name back then too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, I thought that it was a very interesting thing. I enjoyed brain research and thought that that would might be a way to go. So when you went through, they had a separate program for each type of disability, right? They, they surely did. Mine happened to be um, socially and emotionally maladjusted was the name of it, which is now, <laughs> then it became behavior things. It became educable. Um, there's a lot of different things. But yes, we each had our own little categories. And so if you wanted to be qualified in each one, you had to take different, um, different coursework to get each one of those things. And then years later, it became LSB ones and things like that. And so it was, I think that's a good idea because you get lots of different kids with a lot of different kinds of disabilities throughout the, throughout your career. So you might as well be a little bit more familiar with the, well, a lot of them than, than just really good at one. Yeah. So besides that, besides the different credentials, how else has the field changed over the course of your career? <laughs> Well, I, I started a long time ago. So mm -hmm. I started in January of 77 and IEPs just came into existence that October. So I remember the speech therapist and I sitting there with our one page legal size document wow. writing the entire IEP by ourselves, then meeting with the parents with the, I think the, um, administrator was there and probably the psychologist was there and we just said here are the things the kid needs to work on the parents are like okay sounds good and that's what we did um, of course it's been through a lot of changes I think for the better um, sometimes there the paperwork is very um, tedious but I think that once you have a good written IEP and you can see what other people other professionals are doing in that IEP that it really makes it a big difference as to get meeting the specific needs of kids as opposed to a general kind of thing where we started. Mm -hmm. We also started with, I wrote them by myself yeah. and, the, and I remember, and it's like, and now it's definitely a team thing that the professionals all get together, whether it be gen ed, regular ed, the psychologist, the social worker, um, speech therapist, anybody, the OT, everybody gets together and sort of works on them together. And I think it's a lot better cohesive program for each kid. Yeah. So that's really interesting. One page IEP versus the <laughs> 20 some yes, yes. now. <laughs> yeah. So did you ever, because you had to do a lot of IEPs, did you have a specific tactic or system that worked for you so that you didn't spend hours and hours on paperwork? Um, well, you, you got to, since, since I was a resource teacher and a mm -hmm. lot of my kids had, let's say they needed to have reading goals or they needed to have writing goals or math goals, it was a little bit easier to just go ahead and look at what the general curriculum was doing and then make specific uh, accommodations and, and things for each one of the kids that I had. Um, once you started writing them, they used to give you banks of, of goals you could choose from that were just mm -hmm. so, there were just so many of them that it was, it took you longer to dig out the one that you wanted than it was to write it yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there definitely became some that you could use over and over, tweaking it for each of the children that you had. 
Yeah. So you mentioned sitting down with the SLP back on your first IEP. How has that working relationship changed with all the different changes in the way special ed works, just between special ed and SLPs? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, back in the old days, a long time ago, we were the only two people. There was one special education teacher and there was one SLP and that was it in the whole Mm -hmm. building. And so you didn't have anybody else that was, you didn't have any other teachers. You didn't have any other professionals that you had to really go and talk to, except maybe the psychologist or social worker, uh, depending on the needs of the child. But I think that looking at, at the child as a whole, as opposed to she used to do her part and I used to do my part. And it's just mm-hmm. like, how do these look? Yeah, they look pretty good to me mm-hmm. kind of thing as to now when you go about doing it, it's like, well, if his major, you know, his, his major disability is um, a speech and language thing, what can I do academically to help him out using those the things that you have written or that you are the more expert on mm-hmm. what can I do to use those to make his goals fit a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that has evolved a whole lot since the very beginning and, yeah. and for the better. Yeah. So, from working with SLPs, just from the perspective of of someone else who's working collaboratively um, or has worked collaboratively with SLPs, where did you feel like the SLP provided the most value to whether it be special ed, general education, or just the school in general? Wow. They do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, they they definitely were helpful to me when I was writing things. If mm-hmm. I needed materials, SLPs have, uh, have, you know, shelf loads of materials that they, that I got to borrow and use. And so it was sort of using the same kinds of things that a SLP would use. I would get to use them to change it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were, maybe it was just like a little deck of cards that you would have used for therapy and I could use for a writing kind of prompt or I could have used for a social kind of prompt. And so it would be something that we could both use at the same time. Um, Working with gen ed teachers, I think that part of it is just being a resource. Um, you know, I had people coming in every day yeah. <laughs> saying, do you, what can I do for such and such? Or do you have anything that I could use for such and such? And so being a resource in the building and having been there a long time, if I didn't have it, I pretty much knew who did because yeah. I'd been asking for a long time. So it's like whether it was... I need yardsticks. Well, I know so-and-so's got a couple and -and so-and-so's got a couple and, you know, kind of thing to, I need something on opposites. Oh, I've got this thing, but I know that there's a game down in such and such room. And Mm -hmm. so I think that sometimes sharing um, materials and sharing expertise in something is something that I think all the specialty teachers um, do day in and day out, whether it's a it, whether it's a book, whether it's a, a game, whether it's, oh, I've done that before. Let me yeah. let me show you what I've made or this is the way that it worked best for me. Um, I think that I saw that as my job a lot, but I definitely went to other professionals to get yeah. their stuff because it's like, this is what I have, but maybe you have something that's a little bit better or a little bit um, more specific towards that child. Mm-hmm. And so I think that working as as a whole team and not that this is my stuff 
and you right. can't use it as mm-hmm. opposed to this is my stuff. Take as much stuff as you want. And hopefully right. you bring it back sometime. Mm-hmm. And divvying up the roles. Yes. Where yeah. sometimes you're working on something that I might be working on with another kid, depending on mm-hmm. how we're how we're just dividing all of the responsibilities up. Right. I think that that's that's one thing that instead of saying that the IEP, these are my goals and these are your goals, it would be more like these are our goals. What I do in my little section that can also um, be beneficial to your little section of things, even though that you might be keeping data on one, I might be keeping data on some of the speech and language goals along with my along with my math goals or my behavior goals or something like that. Because sometimes, you know, SLPs only have this much time with students. And it's like, as a resource teacher, whether that child was coming into my classroom for a small group or individual, or I was going into the regular classroom, I probably saw him more minutes right. than would have to be able to do. And so that would be something that sometimes I could do part of that job for you because... Mm-hmm. It just works better that way. Logistically, it just is a better option as opposed. And also, if I had something and it's like, oh, you're working on that. Oh, good. Let me know how he's doing on a one to one situation or how he's doing Mm -hmm. on that on the computer or how he's doing on that. You know, however, because Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's just more. Uh, you know, having, we used to have meetings um, once every, how many ever weeks or once a month, just to go through what my kids are now have moved through and now they're working on this and what your kids have done. And it's just like, Oh, well, here's some way that we could work on those things together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you worked collaboratively with, with a lot of the teachers because you co-taught for, I'm not sure how many years, probably 20, probably about 20 years. uh, So can you share a little bit for people who, would like to start co-teaching, whether they're special ed teachers or SLPs, who would like to get into the classroom more, could you share a little bit about what does and doesn't work when it comes to co-teaching with a general education teacher or any teacher? Yeah. Well, first I'll start with how it began. Um, The principal was at a... um, a meeting with, you know, just a staff meeting with everybody there. And he's just like, well, somebody start has to start working with Joanne. So who wants to volunteer? And I just sat there like, oh, thanks. And so one lovely person said, well, I'll try it. She was across the hallway from me. And from the moment I walked into that room and we just sat down and it's just like, I'm here to make sure my students get what they need, but I can also do other things. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm not, I'm not just a one trick pony kind of thing. And I said, you know, we can, I can come in and we can do this and this and this. And so what I did with every teacher that I went, walked into, um, and they'd say, well, how is this going to work? I'm like, we sat down together because everything didn't work the same in in each classroom. Um, I know that especially at older ages, it's just like, maybe I don't know that science, but Mm -hmm. I know how to make this. And I know how to turn this lesson into something that was more hands-on. I could line the kids up and we could, you know, do the periodic table this way, as opposed to here's the piece of paper, let's learn how to do it. Even it could be the same um, content, but I can do things that are a little bit different. And so it was always interesting. That was one of my favorite things was going into a classroom and I would sometimes be the, the lead teacher and 
the regular teacher would help out any of the kids that needed it. Sometimes she would be the lead teacher and I would help out. We would do it sometimes different teachers wanted it differently. We might switch every other day. It might be, I'll do this unit on nouns and you get the next unit on verbs. It could be that, oh, this is something, maybe we need to break this group into a couple different groups and we'll just move, have little centers. And so each classroom teacher that I did it with, we sat down together to decide what was the best way to meet the needs of the kids in the class. Because as a special ed teacher, I was there for certain students, but you know that there were definitely other students that were in that classroom that needed those skills just as much, even though they didn't have an IEP or a label, they still needed to have that individual attention or maybe it's a little bit lower. And so throughout the years, it definitely changed as we went to different, as I went to different personalities. Yeah. Some people wanted, some people wanted to have major control of their class and it's like, that's okay. But I need you to know that I need this part. You know, I need to do this. I'm not here to just grade paper, papers, though I did at least half of the papers because mm -hmm. I thought that was my class too. Um, we shared that. It wasn't like I'm going and helping you with your kids. I'm not there to be the helper. I'm there to be a teacher, to be an instructor. And so um, one of the things we even did, um, maybe the last five years we were there, um, we had always grouped kids for like reading class. You know, the lower kids went here, the higher kids went here, here are the middle kids. They did all those kinds of things. And they had done that for years and years. And I started looking into, well, what about the kids that have a lot of difficulties with math? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up having a math class in my resource room. Top number I think I took was eight because that's all the space I had in my right. room. Mm -hmm. But it's like I would take the lower group. But sometimes we would switch up and I might have the high group that day. Or I might have the such and such group that day. So that it wasn't always those were the kids that were going to Mrs. Briggs. Um, but sometimes it's just like you just have to look at the needs of your of the students that are in that grade level and what can we all do to make it so that they're a little bit more successful. Um, but I think that part of it is going in and knowing, not just saying this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, it's more like I'm in here. We're we're professionals together. What can we do? Mm -hmm. And like I said, each classroom teacher I went in, I probably did things differently. You have to definitely be able to change and not just hold on to this is my role and I can't give that up. Mm -hmm. um, and so as long as you're adaptable to those kinds of things, co-teaching is tough when you first start it. But then it's like, OK, you know what? I'll gather those materials for that math for that math unit. I'll do such and such for that math unit. And they're like, well, I'll go online and get the such and such for that math unit. Well, I'll put it on the smart board for this one. Well, I do, and try to go to your strengths. Um, I was very good at finding things because I had a little bit, probably more time that I could run from classroom to classroom and collect those 12 scales from eight different people. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that sometimes if you have a strength, make sure that the, the person that you're co-teaching with knows what it is. My strength was not typing. So it's just like, here it is written. If yep. you'd like to have it typed, it's okay with me, you know, but it's, you know, kind of thing. Or they're like, I really like going online and finding the vocabulary words and finding a picture that goes with each one of them. And it's like, okay, and I'm really good at making these such and such that are the posters that are going to go up on the wall or you want to be the, the lead teacher, 
um, why don't you go, why don't you just do your regular thing and I'll just go to the board and I'll just put all the bullet points of everything that they need to know how to do. You know, I'll point things out so that kids that need maybe that visual will be able to see that. Or maybe I've made, you know, here it used to be years, years ago that here's the worksheet that I made for, you know, Sally. And it's like, now it's like, here's the worksheet I made and everybody gets it. Mm -hmm. And it's got the little clues maybe at the top. And it's like, because you find out that some of the things that you've made for one specific kid work well for a lot of them. And if you don't right. need that extra at the top, then don't look at it. But it's there for the other kids that might think, oh, well, that's a good idea. I can look up there and I don't have to ask. I can be a little bit more independent because the information's up there. But like I said, it, it's something that you have to let go of some of your things and yeah. just just go in and say here are the things I can do for you and then it'll evolve once you're in there mm -hmm. so for uh for an SLP who has not done any co-teaching what's like what's the the first thing that they should do if they want to get started or like oh, one you know they, they did one thing next week to try to get started with this I'd say what are you good at? Mm -hmm. You know, SLPs have wonderful, wonderful resources in their brains and in their in their classroom. They they know different things than a regular classroom teacher or even a, a S or LBS one would know. And so it's just like, what can you do that would make something easier for that teacher? Because once mm -hmm. you show them that that's something that you can do, something I used to go to SLP teachers for is things that were on Boardmaker. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know how to work board maker and I could learn how to do it or I could just ask somebody and, you know, by the end of the day, right. it's right there. And it's like, so to me, that was a resource person that I could go to to get that. Maybe say, you know, here are some things that I have. Let me show them to you. And is this something that we could make into their written language class? Is this something that we could use for their reading vocabulary? Is this something that you could use and give them give them something, give them part of you because you know stuff that they don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing I learned is, wow, this person's really good at computer. That's why I'm going to go ask for that. So eventually, if they know that you have this expertise, they're going to come back to you over and over again because it's like, you helped me with that. Do you have anything for this? And it's like, and so, and if you don't, say, no, but you know what, I can find you something mm -hmm. and be a resource that way. But I'd say that if you have something that you are, you're the expert at, and you think that this is what's coming up in their classroom, hey, I could do that. I could do those pictures to go with those words. Or I can take that vocabulary word. I just remember the kids, it's like, here's the vocabulary word and here's the definition. And the definition had so many words in it that the mm -hmm. kids didn't know that it, even though I could match those up, you had no idea what that was. Maybe you could say, you know what? I can go and I can make that into simpler words for you mm -hmm. so that these yeah. kids would be able to understand it. That's something you guys are really good at. And I would have appreciated having, well, give the high kids those if they want to. Right. Or here's one that's a little bit simpler for the parents sometimes, too, that don't understand right. that. But here's something that, oh, yeah, I can get that. I can show you that because it's in simpler words. So that's what I would do if I was going to try to start and make yeah. a connection with so it. So find one thing that would make their life easier and offer to do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it be, 
do the thing or I'm going to do a board maker for you. I can change those vocabulary words for you. I can pick out the ones that are the most important. You know, mm -hmm. here are 20 vocabulary words. This guy's got only needs needs to know 10 of them. What are the 10 that are best for his life? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, versus, yeah. Prioritize. Versus, maybe I don't need. Maybe I don't need to know these vocabulary words right now. Prioritize things for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Um, so kind of going off onto a different, slightly different topic, um, as a, as someone working in the schools, did you ever have a time when, whether it be like an IEP meeting or a lesson that just went totally wrong, but you felt like you were better for having experienced that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all human, so we all are yeah. going to make mistakes. Or you think that this is a perfect IEP, everybody's going to love it, and you mm -hmm. get in, and the parents like, no, uh-uh, I'm not. Yeah. Do, do you have any specific situations that come to mind? Yeah. Um, and I would, this would have been years before, but mm -hmm. it's just like, yes, I wrote these goals. The parents came in. I was sharing them with them. You know, here's what they've done this year. Mm -hmm. Here's how well they have done. Here's the data. Here's what we have for next year. And the parents are going like, oh, we need way more than that. That's mm -hmm. not going to be enough. And it's like, and it sort of floored me back then. Yeah. It's like, but I'm the expert and I've, I've written this thing out. And it's, and so what I have done since then, I mean, that all got worked out. Listen, that's, the, yeah. that's probably the best thing you can do if you have a parent or a teacher who's upset about something. Just sit there and listen. Look mm -hmm. at them, give them eye contact, say, I understand how you could feel that way. I'm so glad that you brought that up to me, you know, and just, just keep listening to them. So what I did after that meeting and didn't want to have more like that is yeah. I started writing my goals ahead of time and sending them home ahead of time. And I think that's probably pretty standard procedure now, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's recommended. Yes. But then the parent at least, so that when you're at that meeting, that those meetings can be long. The parents yes. can be very intimidated because there's so many professionals that are there and they're just mm -hmm. sitting back like whatever. And it's like, then you don't have to go through every specific thing. You know, you had reading goals the last three years. You're still having reading goals. But now we're going to add this to it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions about that? No, don't go through every little piece of something. That's another thing I learned. They really don't need to go through unless they're a new parent. Mm -hmm. that It's a yeah. brand new IEP. They don't know how the system works, but trying to make people feel like you're paying attention to them. You're letting them talk, that you're letting them, um, you know, I sent home that those lists. Is there anything that you had a question about? Or is there anything else that you'd want that would be more than what I put on here? And they're like, I had one parent that said, could you teach him how to tie his shoes? Yeah. I can do that. And I said, you know, I, I and I put it on the IEP. It, he didn't have fine motor things, but I'm like, mm -hmm. but I can put that on the side. And while we're waiting for the next kid to come in, we can practice time because I've been working on tying the shoes forever. Mm -hmm. kind of um, there are parents that, you know, if you've ever been through a due process, which I had one many years ago, and I kept thinking I had done everything perfectly right. The director thought everything was good. The principal thought everything was good. But when you went to that thing, they just, you know, did you 
cross that T? Did you dot that I? Isn't there mm-hmm. something else you could have done? Is there something here? Is there something there? And it's just like, and your self-esteem is going down, down, down. Yeah. That's how you feel because this is my work. This is my my um, career. My vocation is to do this. And now I didn't do it very well. And so you have to take things that happen like that. Parents that are upset, things that didn't turn out quite right. And you have to turn them so that what could you learn from that? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? IEPs at our district were written so much better and so much clearer and so much more precise after that, that even though it wasn't a good experience to go through, it was definitely a learning thing. And I had gotten IEPs, you know, when you have kids that move in from different right. states or different places and you get those and it's like, oh my gosh, who wrote these? And we right. say, somebody <laughs> who never had a new process because they wouldn't be writing them like this anymore. And so I think that sometimes those bad things that happen to you mm-hmm. and really help you stop and back up a little bit. They're not, they're not attacking you personally, but that's, that's their feelings. And people who have children who have special needs, sometimes need to be treated a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. They're, they're upset. They, they, they don't want this. They want their perfect kid like everybody. And it's mm-hmm. like, and you're sort of telling them, well, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and so be a little, you know, even though the parent might be abrupt, maybe they don't say things very nice. Maybe they don't have very, very good social cues that they're going to give you. Mm-hmm. Try really hard to not take it to heart. You know, mm-hmm. try to try to see it from their point of view. And that's something that I got better at as I got yeah. older and had more experience. So since you have, you, you have gone through a due process mm-hmm. and that's something that I think everybody always fears that's going to happen when you have a parent who doesn't agree with the school. Is there any advice you have for people who might be either in the middle of that, just trying to emotionally get through it or just maybe trying to avoid it. Yeah. Or avoiding it's probably the, the best. Situation. Avoiding it's the best. Try mm-hmm. really hard to make sure that the parent, um, and like I said, this was 20 years ago or something, mm-hmm. but make sure that the parent is involved. I think if the parent sees themselves as a piece of um, a, a, a viable member of the team, as opposed to here's the team of all these professionals that got together and here's what we're going to do for your kid see what you can do to make sure that they are included in that. Um, Whether it's before the initial IEP or something, give them a call, talk Mm -hmm. to them, call them when their kid has done something well. I used to, my parents used to be just flabbergasted that somebody would call, what do you do now? Would be the answer on the thing. And it's like, if you find that you have a really good relationship with their parent, you know, I send home a thing. I send them, you know, Besides, oh, he got a star on this paper. He did really well on this thing. Or thank you for helping him with his spelling words. He really did a lot better this year. Give them some credit. It's their kid. And it's mm-hmm. like, and I think that sometimes if you have a really good relationship with that person, call them every once in a while. Send them a postcard saying, boy, I'm so glad your kid's in my class. Mm-hmm. Try to have that really positive kind of thing. Then you don't have those yeah, I'm mad at you. And I don't think, it, you know, I, I feel now that you're sort of my friend. And so I can come up to you and say, um, you know, he's still not doing really well at reading. What can we do for him? Or he's still getting trouble at recess. What can we do for him? And it's like, and so if you go into that, what can we do together? 
and you're a part of this team and thank you for all the things you've done for him. I think that the more positive you can be with the parent before it, even during it, mm-hmm. the person who took us to due process, we're in the middle of it, brings me a Christmas present. She wasn't mad at me. She just wanted more for her student. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so sometimes it's just like, yeah, but this is my job. Everybody's looking at me. Why are you going to this due process? And say, like, that may not be it at all. Um, we, I got a lot of positives from our director, from the, from everybody that was in on that group, <clears throat> excuse me, that would have been the, the speech, the social worker, the psychologist, myself, the classroom teachers for the last couple of years, the administrators, and we all got together, pardon me. <clears throat> we all got, <laughs> excuse me, we all got together and talked about it and talked about how whatever it comes out, it's going to be okay. Whatever mm-hmm. it comes out, it's going to be okay. It's not going to affect how we feel about you. It's not going to affect you know, what your pay scale is. It's not mm-hmm. going to affect that we're not going to hire you back. We're in this it, together as a team. And as long as if, if you're going through one of those, contact all those other people and say, can we get together? Mm-hmm. Can we just get together and go to Jimmy John's after school or go to the bar or go to something. And so that you know that you have at least those people behind you, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're right together as a team. And if somebody's saying something about this person, it's like, you're doing fine. You know, give the other people that are on that team, that school team, you know, kudos also that, you know, you guys are doing a really good job or I know it's taking you all this time to collect all this information that they, the, they were asked for, or thank you for giving us time to meet during the class, you know, during class days so that we can um, go together and say, you know, what would you have done or what could we do or what can we can offer this parent to make them feel like they're more of a part of the team. Mm-hmm. But I think that having gone through it once was not a fun thing but it really does make you think a little bit differently than yeah. if you hadn't ever gone through one. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing. Sure. I've, heard, I've heard about that story, but. <laughs> it's been a long time and we haven't had one since. So, you know, we learned something. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that something, some positive things came out of it, yeah. including better teamwork and better IEPs. Yes. Better- it, it was, it was. Not the way to go about it, but right. you know, sometimes you're thrown into the middle of something yeah. and then you decide that, yeah, we have to do things a little bit differently. So before we wrap this up, let's say if hypothetically, if you were in front of a group of grand new, brand new college grads okay. who want to go into the field of education, whether it be elementary, high school, special education, speech pathology in the schools, and you had to give them some advice. Um, so first of all, what's, what's the worst advice that you hear being given to this particular group? Don't do it. Um, to not, to not work to just, in the schools? Don't work in schools. Don't work in schools. Um, and I can see part of that. You know, I can see people reasoning that it's not worth the pay that you get. It's not worth the aggravation. You used to have control in your classroom. And now people just tell you, here's a list of things. Make sure you go through. Make sure you have hit all these things. Make sure your kids do so well on the test. Make sure you do that. And that's part of it. But there's also the part that 
you get to be with those kids. Um, you get to you get to see their faces light up when they learn something and they and whatever you showed them how to do, they're like, oh, I remember you telling me that. Mm-hmm. Um, that you are making difference in, in lives of children. You know, these are the people who are going to take care of you when you're old. These are the people who are going to be your your next senators and, and your judges and your something. So you're trying think of all the stuff that you can give them that hopefully they come out with that. Oh, yeah, you can be kind to people. Oh, you should be treating people this way. Oh, I remember how to do that multiplication fact because Mrs. So-and-so taught that to me. Um, it's you, you definitely need to have a, um, your purpose can't be just to make money. Your mm-hmm. purpose can't be just to, oh, well, I get the summers off. Your mm-hmm. purpose can't be, oh, this is easy because it's not. It's not, but is it fulfilling? Yeah, I did it for almost forty years. Yeah, you know, I had to be getting something out of it, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And it's like it was a job I went to every day, and I really liked. Now there were some days I didn't want to get up, but that was different, you know. <laughs> but every single day that I went there, I thought, oh, I wonder if this kid's going to remember this tomorrow. Oh, I remember I, this kid's so excited he because he gets to give a speech today. Oh, today's the day I get to do such and such. And it's like, it was always a joy for me to have those kids. And whether they learned this much or this much, it was something that you imparted on, on the next generation. And so to me, Whatever all those other things you had to do, writing those IEPs late into the night, the day before you were supposed to, you know, having all those meetings during the middle where you'd rather just sit and have a cup of coffee and look online, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things that you had to do, to me, were definitely worth the positives that you get from being in education. So what one piece of advice would you give that group? I would say... Go into it with everything you've got. Just put, you know, put everything aside for a little bit throughout the week. On the weekends, leave some of it alone. You can't, there are teachers that go in, you know, 24-7 and they're in there at five in the morning and they stay till six at night. And to me, that's not good enough. Make sure you're taking care of you too. Because sometimes you need to get away from that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to be with people who aren't teachers. Who don't work in the school system that maybe they're your bowling buddy or they're your quilting buddy or you play euchre with them or something make sure that you have something that's set aside so that your whole life isn't school but when you're there give it your all that would be my advice thank you well thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and share your experiences you're welcome good luck thank you Before I wrap up, I wanted to remind you one more time that if you want to have a guide to help you to teach the syntax skills that build language processing, then check out my ultimate guide to sentence structure. In this guide, I share the specific sentence types that tend to be difficult for kids with processing issues, as well as some tangible ways to write treatment goals and target them. So to check out that guide, go to drkarenspeech.com 
backslash sentence structure. Again, that's drkarenspeech.com backslash sentence structure. So for now, we'll wrap up. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember that if you think this information will help a colleague or a friend, please feel free to share the show and this episode with them or leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.